0: Hi, everybody. Great to see so many people here. My name is Tim Hunt from the Cognito team in AWS. Glad to have you here for our presentation today. It's got a name so big it almost doesn't fit on the slide. It's because it's packed full of so much good stuff that we want to tell you about. So we're going to talk about sign-in and sign-up, authentication, user identity for your apps, mobile and web apps. I'm going to get us started in a little bit. Adrian Hall is going to come up and give you a demo of how easy it is to do some of the things we talk about. So let me get started. So we're going to talk about identity, which I contend is very important, and I think you'll agree. It's a starting point. It's the entry point for a lot of your apps. And it's important for a number of reasons. Let me list a few of them for you here. You're probably aware of a lot of these, which is probably part of why you're here as well. So first, identity is critical for security and access to your apps. It's the starting point. It controls who can access your app, what they can do in your app, It's authentication. It's authorization. So it's critically important for the security and access to your app. Identity is also really important for your customers and the things that they come to own in your application. So your users are your customers. And typically, or in many applications, they'll purchase something. They'll enter a comment or some other uh, content. They'll upload some images, or they'll make some progress. So they end up owning something in your app. And identity is a critical way you can attach them to those things that they come to own. Also, it's key for the user experience. So in a simple way, you can greet the user. Hello, Tim, something like that. But in a more important way, you can customize the experience so that it matches the role of your user. So you tie that identity, that user, what access they have, where they are in their journey in your app, to their experience based on their identity. And then lastly, Another important thing for identity is the customer relationship. So again, these users are your customers. And you want to do more than just sign them up and let them go on their way. You want to build a relationship with them. You want to track their usage. You want to be able to reach out to them and bring them back if you haven't seen them in a while. You want to engage those users. That's also critically tied to identity. So hopefully, if you didn't already agree, you're convinced identity is super important. So it's super important, how do you get it right? So there's three things I want to highlight that I think are are really must-haves. And the first one is putting security first. We're talking about, again, authentication, authorization, access to your app. All these things are the front door. They're sort of the, the entryway that you need to protect. And you need to make sure that you're protecting that sensitive user information as well. So you've got to put security first, make sure that it secures your app and that the platform itself is secure. Another really important thing to think about for identity is minimizing user friction. I've mentioned already this being the front door. You don't want users to get stuck at your front door and and drop in your conversion. You want to make it easy for them to get started. So it's really important that you give them options, that you make them easy for the user to get started so you don't have users give up, when they either don't want to go through the burden of signing up or have some hiccups signing in. And then the third one here is preparing for a success. You hope to be in the enviable situation where your application is successful and your user numbers and the rates of sign-up skyrocket. You don't want your sign-up or your sign-in process to become a bottleneck and to have all your hard work get hurt by the inability for your identity system to keep up. So that's both the sheer number of users, whether you get to tens of millions or hundreds of millions of users, and the rate. Maybe you'll have some event, or maybe you'll have a launch, and you want to be able to sign up hundreds, thousands of users at a time. Things that you don't want to get stuck in uh, and learn about the trouble later. So I'm going to start talking about Amazon Cognito and the ways that Amazon Cognito can help you with uh, identity and some of the benefits that it has. So, First, it offers a managed user directory. In Cognito, we call this a user pool. It gives you a directory so you can sign up your users, create profiles, create uh, or take in usernames, uh, verify passwords, update um, update passwords, etc. So it's a, it's a full user directory if you want to enable your users to create their own profiles and sign up as new users. In addition to that, we've got a number of options so that your users can keep their existing identities. It's what we call federation. So instead of having to create a new account to use your app, users can use their existing identities. It could be Facebook, Google, Amazon. Any of those are really important for the social. And in a corporate world, it's often a requirement that you allow your users, your other businesses that are your customers, to use their existing user identities as they sign in and sign up to your app. Companies don't want all their employees to be creating a lot of new user accounts and all the different apps that they use. They want to be able to control who comes into the company, who comes out of the company, through one centralized identity provider. Often that's Microsoft, Active Directory, or Azure AD. And you want to be able to integrate, uh, and we offer that through SAML federation in uh, Cardido user pools. We also offer two main ways of providing a UI for your users. So there's a very easy-to-get-started approach where we'll provide it for you. It's a hosted UI. You can customize it. You'll see some examples a little bit later. But you don't have to then create the sign-in, the sign-up, the forgot password, the error flows, the multi-factor authentication flows. There's a lot that you might not think about when you first start to code up uh, user identity. And we offer you sort of of out-of-the-box versions of all these that you can customize. But if you want to take this on yourself, and some want to have full control, and they want to have maybe a native UI, you can do that as well. You can do that through our SDK, so you can have full control. And you'll see a little bit later, we also have some components now that give you a great starting point. In a few lines of code, you can have a native UI as well. Another piece of Cognito is the ability to get AWS credentials for accessing your back end. So if you've got an app, and your app accesses things like files in S3 or data in DynamoDB, and you want your app to be able to call those services directly, Cognito offers the best practice recommended way of providing for your app temporary credentials so you can access those services securely. And then last, standards are really important in identity. They're crucial for integration between your app and the identity provider or your app in the back end. Uh, They make it a lot easier to plug and play different components, and we're providing multiple standards, and the list is growing, but we've got OpenID Connect uh, and OAuth 2.0 as well. So let me talk about some of the common scenarios that developers are, are facing or often solving. So the first one is what's described here as business to consumer. So you've got a consumer as your end user, and in many cases... You'll want to provide the ability for those users to sign in through social identity providers, Google, Facebook, Amazon, for example, or to sign in directly, create their own new account. You can have all those options. Next is business-to-business. Now here, as I alluded to before, businesses often have their own identity provider. Often it's SAML-based. So you can have multiple SAML-based identity providers all linked to your user pool. So you can have, for example, a multi-tenant SaaS app and you could connect all your different tenants to their different identity providers through SAML. We have developers who are building internally facing apps, so they've got their employees as their user, and they want to be able to manage the identity of those users. Often that's, again, enterprise directory through SAML. And then the last scenario, which is growing in popularity, is IoT scenarios. So here you've got a user, and you've got a thing, and you've got relationships between the two. And you can use Cognito for the identity of those users and our AWS IoT service to manage and connect to your things. So let me dive into user pools a little bit more. First point I want to highlight is the serverless approach. So this means that you don't have to think about servers. You don't have to think about scaling servers, maintaining servers. It's a service that does all that for you. You can quickly set up sign in and sign up, and then let us manage the rest. You don't have to think about you know, scaling and operations. I, managed, I, I mentioned the user directory, so it's a fully managed user directory. It's simple, low-cost, scales to hundreds of millions of users, um, and provides all the kinds of flows that you need for a user directory. And then again, security. I'll keep coming back to security, as you'll notice. So it's built based on not only best practices, but it's got built-in security features including things like the way we handle passwords, the way we verify email and phone, multi-factor authentication. And we just announced yesterday, a little bit later in the presentation, I'll tell you about some new advanced security features that we're excited about. So with this user directory comes a comprehensive set of user flows. So you can, of course, sign up and sign in your user. You can do that multiple ways. So There's a traditional username and password. You can do email and password, phone number and password, lots of ways you can customize that as well. You've got user profiles with attributes that you can customize. You can add your own if you like, use our standard attributes. It's token-based authentication. When a user signs in, you get back tokens, and that's how you can integrate with your app. Built-in email and phone verification, often an important step for confirming a user. They give you an email address. You want to send them a, a link and allow them to click that link to confirm their user and confirm that they have that email address. Likewise, you can do that with SMS and phone. And we offer multi-factor authentication. In fact, here it's listed as SMS. As you'll see in a second, we've added another TOTP, and we've got more in the wings waiting. At the bottom of this slide, I mentioned Lambda triggers, and we've got another slide here. It's one of the strengths of user pools. We've built Cognito to handle the most common use cases, but we still run into customers who have some specific requirement and they need to maybe attach a little bit of logic someplace at a workflow, and we allow them to do that through Lambda Triggers. So we've got the nine of them listed here. They go everywhere from custom authentication flow, so you can actually change what the challenges are and the response required are, not just say username and password. Maybe you want to add your own other factor that we haven't supported yet. You can... Um, do things like custom form validation or custom attribute validation that's submitted. We just created a new one, pre-token generation. This is a little bit specialized, but it's, it's important for some of our developers. Allows you to customize the claims and the standard tokens that we provide. Just point out one more, custom message Lambda trigger allows you to dynamically change all the messages that you send out to the user. So a uh, time to remind me to mention that A user pool is run by us, but it's yours, it's your users. Our intent is to have this all within your name, your branding, your communication with the users, and custom message triggers is a way that you can do some advanced customization. I'll show you an easier way. Actually, I won't show you an easier way, but there is an easier way in the console that you can just use templates as well. So I talked about user flows. There's also extensive admin capabilities. So you can create and manage your user pools, of course, Um, you can define custom attributes, you can define which of those attributes are required, and you can also manage permissions. So we have in Cognito the concept of an app client. You might have an iOS app, you might have an Android app, and you can have different clients for each of those, or you might have one game have one app client, another game have another app client, however you want to organize it, you can set up permissions so that different app clients have different read and write permissions for all the user attributes. So you can control those kinds of permissions. You can also set up password policies, length, the special characters, numbers that might be required. And then you can search and manage users. Again, this is your directory of your users. So you can, you can search for users. You can manage users in terms of confirming them manually if you want to. You can create them. You can invite them. Uh, You can sign them out. You can delete them. You can change their MFA. So there's there's a lot of different admin capabilities for managing your users as well. So I talked about the built-in UI. And on this slide, I have a couple that I worked out myself. You probably have graphic designers that can do a nicer job, but this is kind of Tim's quick display of the variety you can have over there on the right-hand side of the slide of customizing the UI. Here you can change the CSS properties. And in our console, you can very quickly change some of the easiest, or some of the more common, rather, properties that you might want to edit. Colors, line weight, sizes, that kind of thing. You can also upload through our API or CLI a whole CSS file. So you have broad range to change the look and feel and add your own logo, for example. You can also customize what sign-in options the users get. So in the console, you can configure different ways to federate users, maybe Google, Facebook, or whether or not you want to use a SAML identity provider. And then you can decide for your app client or for your users which options you want to provide for them. We also have a feature which is shown here on the bottom right where if you're in an environment, this is more of a B2B use case, a multi-tenant use case, where you have multiple different users who need to sign in through different identity providers. You can map email domains to different identity providers in Kaidido so that when you start by asking them for their corporate email, we'll then do the mapping and we'll send them off to the right identity provider, so it's, uh, it's really seamless for them. Now, I just talked about this hosted UI. Again, you can build your own, your own UI, and there's an example of a native UI there on the left. And this actually is one of the ones um, that you'll see like in our demo that you can take a componentized one, and you can also customize that as well. So you really have the options. You can do it however you want. We've also built right into the user directory the concept of federation. So in the directory, we talk about what I would call a native user. That's a user that has their username and password directly in their account in the user pool. I call that again a native user. But you can also in that user pool set up external identity providers. You can have Amazon, Facebook, Google as social identity providers, and SAML as the the corporate common identity provider. And that means that you, as a developer, don't have to worry about interacting with these other external identity providers. You can come to the Cognito console. You can configure the settings for these different identity providers. So for example, you go to Facebook. You sign up as a Facebook developer. You get an app ID. You get an app secret. You put that in Cognito and then essentially you're done. You check the boxes, and Cognito will handle all the interactions with Facebook for you. Same thing with SAML, actually. SAML requires you handle the post-back of a SAML assertion, and it's more than you might want to get into unless um, you're really into SAML. Um, So uh, it's a really easy way to integrate. Um, And then with that, you can also map the attributes. So in these tokens, uh, and in API calls to Facebook and through SAML, you'll get back information, maybe from SAML, what group they're in, what department they're in, or in Facebook, maybe what their email address is, and you can capture all this information as well in the user pool. So when you federate through the user pool, you get a local profile in that user pool, and that's what's kind of in my illustration depicted there by all those little IDs in the Cognito user pool. That means you have a local copy. It gets updated every time the user signs in again. But you can also use that information in your app. And then from Cognito, you've got one interface from your app to Cognito that allows you to expand to all these external identity providers. And so Cognito always provides what I have shown there as CUP, Cognito User Pool Tokens. So Cognito gives you those standard-based tokens, encapsulates all that user information, and then your app just needs to understand how to use these standard-based tokens that Cognito uses to normalize all the external identity providers. So it makes Cognito a universal directory. So your app l- learns how to use Cognito, later you decide you want to add another SAML identity provider, you want to add Facebook, you d- hook it up in the console and, and you're done. It's very simple. Another important component of Cognito is a support for OAuth 2. These uh, hosted UIs and the external identity providers are based on OAuth 2.0 flows. They, we now support uh, the authorization code grant, the implicit flow, and the client credential flow. We also give you the ability to define your own custom scopes. So in OAuth 2.0 language, scopes are the way you define kind of what permissions the app or the user has. And you can, for example, define your own API. Let's say an example I use is maybe you have this you know, photo API. And you just can decide if you want to scope, In order to allow users to just read from it or allow maybe admins to write to it. And you can define those custom scopes and you can decide then, you know, which apps have different permissions, or which backend processes have different permissions as well. So thus far I've been talking mostly about Cognito User Pools, that user directory that also includes federation. We have another main part of cognito which is called federated identities or identity pools And there's a little bit of overlap here so let me try to clarify this for you federated identities its main purpose is to allow you to take a user and get aws credentials for that user so you can access a back end in aws now that user could be an anonymous user or a user could be someone who's signed in through Google or Facebook or even through a user, user pool. And there's other identity providers as well, OpenID, SAML, et cetera. When you're using federated identities, your app is going to be responsible for getting those users authenticated and getting back those authentication tokens. So say the Facebook token, for example. So if you just use identity pools without user pools, you can build into your app, you can get the Facebook SDK, and you can take that on yourself but you don't have to. If you'd rather do it the easy way and let the user pool do that, you can have the user pool federate, get a user pool token back after federating with Facebook, and then use that user pool token with federated identity. So the two can kind of work together. When you get to the federated identities piece, again, you're getting those AWS credentials for your user, and you can map those to different user roles. So we have a system of rules that you can create in your identity pool you can say, for example, if the user has an attribute that contains this, maybe it's a group. The group contains admin. Or maybe it's a status, which equals paid, for example. You can then map that user to a different a IAM different role, so they have different permissions. Maybe you want the paid users to be able to access premium content that's in different S3 buckets than your anonymous users, for example. So you can manage all that. You can manage this authorization through Cardido federated identities. Federated Identities also gives you a unique ID for each user. And this also can be shared across multiple ways they sign in. They could sign in first anonymously, and then they could sign in through Facebook, and they can maintain this ID. And you can use this ID in the permissions that you grant as well. So you can partition so that each user, for example, can only read from their own subspace within S3. So let me walk you through a flow that will demonstrate how these pieces come together. Now, not everybody will use all parts of this flow, but this is more of an end-to-end, to to give you an example. So I'm showing a mobile app here that wants to authenticate its user. And so it's going to first reach out to Cognito and call a OAuth2 uh, request to authenticate the user. And what I'm actually showing in the screenshot there is the result of that step actually already occurring, because the, the mobile app is showing our hosted UI. Now, if the user is what I call a native user, there's a sign in directly with a username and password fields there, the user pool could, could retrieve that information, and turn around, and be done. But I'm going to show you kind of the longer flow if you're going to also include federation. So if the user, for example, chooses to click on, in this case, Facebook or Google are one of the options, Cognito will handle all the interactions to make that happen. So it would redirect you or redirect the user to Facebook or to Google, have them sign in. Same thing with SAML or Amazon. So it handles that interaction. And then it will get back from the identity provider its token. So we get different tokens back from different identity providers. You don't have to worry about that, because Cognito handles those. They validate them. They parse them. And they can then, as I mentioned before, pull in whatever attributes you've mapped into the local profile. So it can extract whatever user information you want into that user pool. And then the user pool gives back to your app. That Cognito User Pool or CUP token, as we abbreviate it. Again, this is the uh, OpenID Connect and OAuth2 ID access, um, and there's a refresh token as well. So now your app, no matter how the user authenticated, gets one, back, one response all the time. And in some cases, um, you'll just want to work with that token. So you might just take that token and take it right to API Gateway, where we've got some built-in integrations that will accept that token without any coding and allow you to say, if you want to access this resource, you have to come from this user pool. And it's simple console hookup. But to also bring the other part of Cognito into the picture, this is the identity pools piece, you can also use that user pool token to get AWS credentials from that Cognito identity pool. And then those keys or these AWS credentials can be used directly from your app if you want to access, again, DynamoDB or S3. And again, you can have different credentials for different users based on different attributes or what groups they're in, et cetera. So I've talked probably more about authentication authorization, so I'm gonna lay out a few scenarios here as well. These are the, the most common patterns. We've seen a little bit of this on the previous slide, but I want to expand just a little bit. So first, some of our developers use Cognito as a standalone identity provider. So that means that they use Cognito to handle the auth for them, and then they go their merry way with their app and the tokens, and they handle all the rest of validating those tokens and using them to authorize whatever resources they need to access themselves. That may be on-prem, could be anywhere. Similar in some ways to that is the one in the middle, which I just mentioned before, API Gateway. So now you're gonna use those user pool tokens with API Gateway. We've got, again, a built-in integration where you can um, just use that token through a Cognito authorizer, and it's, it's built in. There are more advanced ways where you can do fine-grain authorization by inspecting what's in the token. So you've got options there for API Gateway. And then the third option here is those AWS credentials. So now I'm using the Cognito identity pool, federated identities, and I'm getting back those AWS credentials, and I'm using those and the different IAM policies and the power of what you can do with an IAM policy to control access to the different AWS services. I want to switch gears and talk about a integration we did fairly recently this is, I think, really a natural fit between two of our services in AWS. So if you're not familiar with Amazon Pinpoint, it's a service that offers analytics, so you can instrument your mobile app and you can track user behavior, and also user engagement. So you can have campaigns for users, send them push notifications or emails to stay engaged with those users um, through campaigns. And then of course, we've got Cardido here as well so we've got. Pinpoint, which is all about user analytics and user engagement, and we've got Cognito, which is all about user identity. So it's really kind of a natural, natural integration to bring them together. And what that means is that we've, we've integrated, and if you update your, to the latest SDKs and add a couple lines of code, um, you now have one uniform, one consistent user ID across both of these services. So if a user signs in or signs up with Cognito, those activities or those events and the same IDs now flow into Pinpoint. As well as, if you choose to enable this, the uh, user information like their email address and their phone number. So they sign up with Cognito, and now you can capture their phone number and their email address so that you can send them a, a communication through Pinpoint. On the Cognito side, you also can use the benefit of Pinpoint analytics. So now you can look up graphs, and you can analyze the sign-ins, the sign-ups, the failed sign-ins. Uh, you can push this through uh, Kinesis to Redshift so you can do some further data analysis as well. Okay, I want to talk in a little bit more detail about some new security features that we just launched yesterday. So really pleased to have this out um, in time for reInvent. We just launched it as a public beta yesterday. It is public, which means that you can all go and give this a try. Uh, you don't need to be uh, invited or uh, signed up. Uh, it's, it's an open, open beta. So what we've provided are some new features that provide new protections for your users in a user pool. These are against compromised credentials and anomalous sign-in attempts. So I've got some more information. I'll go into each of these in some more detail. So first, compromised credentials. So you. You may know, you may even be guilty of having reused your same credentials as many websites or many applications. So it's understandable that it's difficult for users, every place they go, to come up with a unique password. And so unfortunately, users fall into the habit of reusing the same say, email address and password at multiple different sites. We've seen polls that the large majority of people actually do this. And while it's, again, frowned upon, it's, it's somewhat understandable and not a huge surprise that it happens. But where the trouble comes in is when one of these sites then, unfortunately, gets breached or gets, it gets hacked. And unfortunately, you hear a lot about this in the news today about you know, this, this leak of hundreds of millions of, of identities or that one. And what happens is that these now compromised credentials or leaked credentials get traded and sold on dark places of the internet by people who don't have your best interest at heart. And they will uh, basically take these credentials that they found found leaked one place and they'll try them every place else that they might think they'll work. Um, It's surprisingly common. Um, The number of of attempts you see is, is actually pretty high. So because we're AWS and we have the resources that we do and we can establish the partnerships and the programs Um, and we can reach out to sort of other players in the industry, we're able to collect information about these breaches. And what that allows us to do is to detect if a user comes to a user pool and they try to sign up or sign in or change their password, and they want to use some credentials that we know are out there that somebody can get access to and can use, so we can stop them from doing that, we can block them from doing that, and we can ask them to provide a new password to add security for them. The other major feature here is adaptive authentication. So we know, and I've just talked a bit about passwords, we know that passwords have been around for a long time, they'll be around for a while longer, but we know they're not always enough. And there are times when you want to require more than just a password. But we also know if you do that to all your users, you're going to drive a lot of them away. So what we're doing here is we're being smart about when we add an extra layer of security for a user sign-in. So when a user signs in in a user pool, if you're using this feature, we're looking at other kind of telltale signs. Have we seen this device before? Have we seen this IP address before? Is this a location they've been at before, and a number of other ones? And that gives us the ability to come up with a risk score, how likely or unlikely it is that this is really the user because it's a normal pattern, or is this likely to be somebody who is risky? Is this suspicious? And then we give you, the developer, some options of how you want to handle that. So you can, based on whether it's a high, medium, or low risk score, you can decide what action you want to take. At the highest end, you might want to just block the attempt. But in between, you can think about requiring additional factors. And what I mean by that is after the user puts in a username and password, then they're asked for another factor. Maybe that's a text message through their phone with a code. Maybe it's TOTP, like I mentioned, Google Authenticator. We've got more coming by the way so you'll see more of those and that allows us to add that extra layer of security when it's necessary but not to inconvenience all of your users all the time we can also alert your users when this has happened so we'll send them an email address if you choose to to include this i'm sorry we'll send them an email mail and we'll have in that uh, information about what happened we saw a sign in here we saw this device we saw this time of day and was this you or wasn't you? Was this valid or was this invalid? So the user can tell us whether or not it was really them. We can learn from that. We get smarter. Our, our algorithms get tuned. And we also then alert the user as, well, if that wasn't you, change your password immediately. That also gives the user kind of the comfort. They know that security is important to you, to your app, and um, that they have this added protection. And with... Both of these features, we have new reporting capabilities. So you can view, in aggregate, in CloudWatch metrics, the number of attempts to sign in and sign up or change passwords, how many of those had some risk associated versus no risk, and the ones that had some risk associated was it high, medium, or low. Um, And in addition to those aggregate metrics, we also, for each user, we track their history of sign in and sign ups. So you can look, and I'll show you in the the console in a little bit, you can see every time somebody has signed in, what were the risks that were found, what was the outcome. So, for example, if a user calls you up and um, says, hey, you know, it looks like something's wrong with my account, you can say, well, look, we saw a sign-in from Denver. Were you in Denver? Um, And uh, you can help them also um, if you need to find a place, for example, that was legitimate for them but looks suspicious, you can give it a kind of a green, a green light uh, also to teach our algorithms what really is legitimate for this user. Okay, with that, we're going to switch over to demo mode, and Adrian here is going to take it.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Tim. So let's take a look at some code and how this would actually be, how you would integrate Cognito into your own application. Inevitably, this is an Android app that I'm going to go through. The same capabilities exist. We have mobile SDKs for Android and for iOS, and we have a new library called AWS Amplify if you are producing React Native or you're in the uh, web world with uh, React or Angular or Ember or any of those. So this is an Android app. Most of the, the concepts are exactly the same. We try to simplify what we're doing. In this case, I'm adding an activity that is going to run the authenticator for me. So it's going to ask for your credentials and then pass control back to the main application. And you can see I've actually set up my activity right here um, as the authenticator activity. And I've said, when the application starts, I want to authenticate. Probably not the best way of doing it. I generally want to hook it into a button or an icon that we will ask for authentication when it's required rather than right at the start. But this kind of demonstrates the theme. The other thing that I need to do when I'm, uh, when, when I'm defining this is I need to ask permission to use the internet because Cognito is a cloud service, I'm going to reach over the internet to actually access that. So that's the first part. Now in the mobile SDK, there is a thing called an identity manager. And this identity manager is an object that you instantiate once it's a singleton. And its job is to communicate with Cognito for you on your behalf and keep track of all the the requirements. We use this AWS configuration. I'll get more onto how to define that um, a little later. It's something that you download from the the console. But then I create an identity manager. In this case, I'm gonna add a specific sign-in provider for the Cognito user pools. There are sign-in providers also for Facebook and Google. And if you're in a mobile app, you probably want to integrate the Facebook or Google SDK for authentication so that you get that nice user experience where your app flips over into the Facebook app or the, the Google app. It asks you for mi- permission to use your identity, and then it flips back seamlessly again. Um, so that's provided by the SDKs for those providers, and you can integrate those directly in. So this is just a, one additional line to the Identity Manager. And then we'll go to the authenticator activity. So this is the actual activity that uh, we do. Um, We bring in the identity manager. And then the piece that actually becomes interesting is this line here. This is setting up the authentication UI. So all I'm doing here is I'm saying build the authentication UI with user pools. That means I'm going to ask for a username and password, and I'm going to ask for a sign-up flow and a forgotten Password flow, and then I'm just going to switch over to that um, th- those flows. When I authenticate successfully, it's going to come back and call my callback, which is on complete. And in there, all I'm going to do is switch over to my uh, my original activity that actually runs the application. The only thing, other thing, I need to do here, and that's this, is mostly boilerplate. Just so. No one's uh, freaked out. There's literally nine lines of code to get this uh, entire thing going. The other thing I need to do is I need to create a Cognito user pool. Now, um, I'm with the AWS mobile team, and we've got a product, AWS Mobile Hub. That's not a service. Rather, it's a console that enables you to easily configure other services with best practices. We start with creating a project. I'm going to create a project called Imaginatively Reinvent and click on Create. This is an Android app. And that just adjusts the way that they tell us about the integration instructions so that when you look for the help files, they'll automatically give you the Android instructions. And then I'm gonna skip this for right now because I need to set up um, something. So my next, my next thing is to, yeah, man add features and the the, the features i'm going to add is the user sign in which which creates the cognito and you can see we've automatically added email password facebook and google for this flow i'm going to add an email and password and you can see i've got fairly simple form i'm going to make it very very insecure just for the purposes of demo I'm gonna only require six six, uh, characters in my password. I'm not going to do multi-factor authentication, and I'm only gonna ask for the email address. So I'm gonna create that user pool. It will also, behind the scenes, create an identity pool within Cognito. Now I need to go and download, integrate, and download that cloud config, and that downloads a JSON file. Now this JSON file contains the AWS constants Things like the uh, Amazon Resource Navigator, the a- ARN numbers the, and the App IDs that you need in order to integrate the uh, the service with your app. So now, instead of putting in big long strings and copy and paste them into another uh, class or another uh, file, we just download that for you. I do need to copy it into my directory. I've got this. Um, I'll, I'll show you where this is in a minute. Um, Downloads, AWS configuration JSON to there, that's all I need to do. Now back here in my resources, I've got a raw directory. If I was on a Swift application, I'd just put it in the top level directory. Same file, used for the same function. So let's take a look at what that looks like. I'm gonna, I've got a Pixel 2, which I had already uh, done, and it's going to compile the program. There it goes, and then it's going to start it. And immediately I get a nice sign-up thing. I haven't actually have to define this. All the colors, icons, and stuff like that are configurable. If you want to go full hog and and just design your own UI for this, the example, the mobile SDK is fully open source, so you can take the sign-in activity that we provide and rip it apart and put your own uh, fields in there, your own UI. Um, I haven't got an account because it's a brand new um, service, so I'm going to create one. Adrian is a good username, and I'm going to put something like test123. Um, And the important one, you all can note this down if you want to email me, but. And I'm going to click, and I'm going to sign up, and hopefully my phone is close enough that I'll be able to get the um, piece. Oh, maybe it didn't need it. One, two, three. Sign in. Yeah, man. Uh, I think I'll have to pass it back to you, Tim. Lack of internet access. I'll be be down in the AWS mobile booth. I'll hopefully get this fixed, so if anyone's interested in seeing the code or anything, I can point you to the right direction.
0: All right, so, thank you, Adrian. I'm going to now imagine that Adrian had done that, and he wanted to add a little bit more some of these features I just talked about. So I'm going to just quickly show you in our console, the Cognito console, uh, how you can do that and so what some of the options are. So there we go. So hopefully, I'll have better internet access than Adrian did a second ago. So here I am in the Cognito console. And this is in the user pools part, so I have a list of my user pools that I've created. So if you look in this demo, ASF demo folder, or user pool, first I'm going to quickly take you down to this analytics tab. I just want to give you a sense. I talked about that Pinpoint Cognito integration. I want to show you how easy it is to set that up. It takes, again, the latest SDKs, a couple lines of code in your app, and then simple configuration here in the, in the user pool. So. Um, if I were to just select, I only have one app, so maybe I only have one iOS app, for example. I select the one I have there. I can select a Pinpoint project, so you go to the Pinpoint console, you create a project in a few clicks. Then you come back here. If you want to be able to use like the user's email address or their phone number from Cognito, you check this box so that it gets created over in Pinpoint, and then you just create a role for yourself. Um, I think I misspelled Pinpoint there probably, but the idea here is you create a role because you're giving Cognito permission to access Pinpoint in your account on your behalf. And so that kind of gives us the permissions model there as well. So I could just click um, Save here and I'd be done. It would be that simple. Data would start showing up for the analytics, uh, those users' email addresses and phone numbers, and those common IDs would now be flowing across. The other thing I wanted to show you is the advanced security features. So I have them set up for this user pool, but I could have started like this. Typically when you come into a user pool, this feature would be off. And you have three options. Off is certainly an easy one. You can always turn it all the way on. And we have this thing in the middle we call audit mode. The idea of audit mode is to allow you to start exercising all of our algorithms, all of our tests, all of our checks of the sign-in and sign-ups, and log what's happening before you start acting on that, or before Cognito starts acting on that and changing behavior for users. So if you want to monitor it for a little bit, you can start in audit-only mode. But once you turn it on, you get the following features that are or following settings that are shown here. So you can again define this for an individual app client, or you can have default settings for all of them. You can choose when we detect compromised credentials whether or not you want to block them or continue to allow them. You might allow them again if you're monitoring, but At some point, to really get the value, you'll want to start blocking those insecure credentials. You can also choose, if you want, for which events you do that compromised credential check. Is it sign up, is it sign in, is it forgot password? Or all three. And then on adaptive authentication, you get to choose what actions get taken at different risk levels. So as I described, Cognito will assign a different risk level based on how unusual the sign-in request looks. And then for each, you can decide if you're going to allow the request. All the way over on the other side, you could block the request. Or in between, you could require multi-factor authentication or a second factor. We've got two versions here. We've got optional and required. Optional means that if that user has set up another factor, if they've given you a phone number, for example, that you could use, or if they've set up TOTP, then you'll require that they complete that second factor. If they've got a factor, they've got to use it under optional. But if they haven't got a factor, they can still continue. So the user has not yet progressed to being able to secure their account, but they're not blocked. And you might choose for some risk levels, that's the approach you want to take. Or you could take require MFA. And that means that no user gets passed unless they've got that second factor set up. So if they haven't yet set up a second factor, they're stopped. You can make that choice. And then again, I I mentioned you can notify the users. You can check for each of these levels whether or not you want to send out that email that says we've detected an event, was it you or not, you can quickly configure um, a, where am I here, okay, so you can configure, there we go, you can configure the information about sending those emails, so you get to choose the from address, for example. And this is something that you will have pre-verified over in our simple email service, SES. And you can come back here and customize your from address, for example. And you can also customize all those messages. So there's a real simple way. You can have plain text or HTML messages, templates. They're populated with placeholders for things like time and the name of the device and the location. So you can customize how you want to communicate with your users. You can give your app name in there or your company name. And then the last quick thing is you can also choose if you want to whitelist or blacklist any of the IP addresses. You might, for example, have a facility where you do all your testing and development, and if you do a lot of testing, that might start looking suspicious, and so you might want to whitelist an account like that. So those are the options you get. Um, It's that simple to set up, and then once you've done that and users have started to sign in and sign up, um, in this user pool I've asked a, a number of colleagues to help me out and give me... Give my demo a bit of a test and i've got myself in here too so this is what i tried a bunch of different sign-ins and sign-ups for different devices different browsers i used proxies that looked like i was signing in from the netherlands um, and was able to trigger the different types of risks that uh cognito can detect and you can also keep track of what happened was it a pal- a were they challenged just for their password and were they successful? Were they challenged for multi-factor authentication and were they successful? So you get all this data. And you can click on any of these and you can decide to just mark it as either valid or invalid. So you can help our algorithms learn over time. All right, I'm going to flip back to the slides. A couple more before we wrap up. So first, I want to show you this link to a resources page. So if you go to our website, you can also find this if you just start the Cognito website. But our developer resources page has lots of things to help you get started, including getting started guide, links to documentation, videos, links to blog posts, discussion forums, so lots of places, lots of things to help you get started. If you have questions while you're here, we've got a, a booth over in the exhibit center. And we've got a mobile booth there. We've got people from Cognito there all day today, up till 6 and other days as well. And we've got a special program if you're a tweeter and you want to tweet about Cognito, tell us how you're going to use it or how you are using it, you can get a uh, a T-shirt as well. So with that, I want to thank you and ask you to complete the surveys as well. Thank you.